Okay, if you have your Bibles, open it to the book of Matthew, chapter 13. We're going to continue our conversation on the kingdom of God. We've entitled this, This Beautiful Mess, and it's taken from Rick McKinley's book, entitled The Same Thing. When Jesus came on the scene, he began in Mark's gospel, and he said, The time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus has had the kingdom of God a a central focus of his conversation. And I shared in the past how that term, the kingdom of God, might not resonate with us the way it did with the people of Jesus' time. I have to admit, there's so many times I've heard, and the kingdom of heaven is like, and I just kind of, okay, that's fine, whatever that means. But it hasn't really been something that I've been able to wrap my mind around and embrace and and fully understand. And it's got a lot of aspects to it. That's why we're doing this series, to try and explore what Jesus meant when he said the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And when he said the kingdom of God is near, it was near because the king, Jesus, brings with him the kingdom. And so as he shows up, he is showing up with the kingdom of God. It's something that is established. It's something that is the living, breathing presence and purpose of the reign of God breaking in here on earth. The Hebrew mind we talked about, would have an understanding of what this meant. When Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is near, it would immediately bring to mind God's faithfulness to his people, his promise to Abraham, to David, that there would be a king on the throne. It was something that was literal. It was something that was tangible. It was a continuation of God's purposes and his promise to his people. The promise of God had began in the garden and was continuing through the prophets. There was a continuation of God's kingdom showing up. The prophets doing miracles, deliverance from the Babylonians or the other nations that would take them captive. It was again God showing up the kingdom of God was something that was real, something that they embraced, something that they understood. It was progressive, moving forward, the reign of God's righteousness and vindicating his law, his purposes to his people. There was this ultimate God is going to make things right. He is going to prove himself as he has proved himself to us, the nation of Israel. He is going to eventually prove himself completely. And so Jesus comes on the scene and he starts healing the blind, the lame, those who can't speak, those who are are possessed or being delivered. And they're saying, could this be it? Is this now the fulfillment? When he says the kingdom of God is near, is it happening now? Is God going to bring the resolution to all these things in the past that he has done before? But they had problems because this Jesus isn't coming like they would expect. He was born in the womb of an unwed teenage girl. And his cousin, 
John the Baptist was some hillbilly who came out the wilderness, you know, eating locusts and wild honey and wearing camel skin. And so they had a hard time wrapping their mind around this being it because it wasn't what they had expected. And many times we have misconceptions of what this means too. I, I can remember when I first became a follower of Christ, I, I went to this small kind of Pentecostal church. And we had some guy, I have no idea who he was, but this guy had this neat board that was like a prophecy board. And he stood it up and it was huge and had all these cool pictures, you know, of the end times things and, you know, dragons with many heads and all this stuff going. And it kind of went through the end times prophecy and it culminated with the kingdom of God. And so I was kind of like, ooh, ah, okay, yeah, there it is. And my conception, and maybe yours too, has been the kingdom of God is there in heaven. It's spiritual. It's off in the future, distant somewhere, but it's not here now. And so we have to wrestle with this understanding of what is this kingdom of God like? And in Matthew chapter 12, we're going to start there actually, Verse 23, Jesus has this discourse with the Pharisees. And actually, let's start at verse 22. Matthew 12, verse 22. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? That's a direct link to Messiah, kingdom of God now showing up here in our midst. Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive out them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If I am driving out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is showing up here. And he went on to talk about them blaspheming the Holy Spirit. If you reject the king and you reject the kingdom that is now coming upon you by the Spirit, then you are rejecting the kingdom of God. You are not going to have part of the kingdom of God. And so now from this point on, Jesus begins to speak to them in parables, in stories, giving illustrations of what the kingdom of God is like. And we're going to pick that up in Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to go through all these parables. I'm not going to go in depth through them all, but what I want you to see is that as he is explaining these things, it is in the framework and context of the kingdom of God. And so the first parable is one that you're aware of. 
We went through it on Thursday night. Michael went through these parables. The, the parable of the sower, the seed, where he talks about seed that falls on the path, some that falls on rocky places, some that falls on the thorns, some that falls on good ground. And you hear this story and you go, oh yeah, I, I remember that parable. And Jesus' disciples, verse 10, came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. So he's going to give them understanding about what the kingdom of heaven. It's being revealed to you. But not to them. Whoever will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And, and so what he's saying is the kingdom of God is being revealed to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear and understand. The kingdom of God is going to be explained to those who are wanting to hear. And so in a very real case, we have to understand that how you listen and how you pay attention to Jesus's teachings about the kingdom radically dictates its impact on your life. Some people heard meant nothing. Others people heard and they had understanding of what Jesus was talking about. And so this parable about the sower and the seeds He's talking about the condition of our heart. He goes on and he explains it. In verse 16, he says, Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it. To hear what you hear but did not hear it. They've wanted the kingdom, but it wasn't something that they got to see. It's showing up in your midst. Listen then, verse 18, what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears, here's what? The message about the kingdom. What is the message about the kingdom? It is the king. The message about the kingdom is Jesus the king. When anyone hears the message about who Jesus is, him showing up, when they hear this message... And did not understand it, the evil one comes, snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Because of the word, who is the word? Jesus. Because of Jesus. Okay, this is all about this kingdom. It's about Jesus the King coming here and showing up. Verse 21, but since they have no root, they last only a short time when trouble persecution comes. Because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, this message, this understanding of Jesus, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. 
And so the condition of our hearts determines what the kingdom of God produces in our lives. The condition of our heart determines what the kingdom of God produces in our lives. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, what kind of heart do we have? How are we receiving the kingdom of God, this information about Jesus, the king, and what's it doing in our lives? And so Matthew continues on with these parables. And what I want you to see is all these parables, it's not just about salvation. Well, the kingdom, the sower and the seed, it must be about, well, are you saved or not? It's talking about what we do with the information of the king. We have a very solitarian mind, a salvation only kind of thinking. It's very prominent in the Western culture. It's all about you and salvation, you and God and salvation, which are vital, of course. But it's so much more than that. It's so much broader, and the message of Jesus is dealing with so much more than just you and your personal salvation. This is dealing with God's kingdom showing up and how it is revealed and how it furthers. He goes on and he gives another parable in verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them into my barns. Jesus is going to go on and explain this. He says in verse 36, the crowd left and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds. They're always needing explaining. I'm glad because so do we. And he answered, the one who sowed this good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned into the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out the kingdom, weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin who, all who will do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is talking to them about the kingdom. And what we see in both of these parables is that the kingdom is something that is happening now, but is something that is still going to happen in the future. It is already, but not yet. And it's real important that we get this understanding because if we are in the frame of mind that it is just not yet, we will miss what is already happening now and our important participation in it. 
And already and not yet is something that we have a hard time grabbing hold of. And I was thinking, what illustration could I use of an already and not yet? And the only one I could think of was pregnancy. You ladies who are pregnant, you're already pregnant. You already have a baby, but not yet. There's going to be a difference when the baby's born. Say goodbye to sleep. And it's a, a strange thing. You, you ladies are more in tune to it who are pregnant or have been pregnant than us guys. Because your body is reacting. You've gone through the morning sickness. You've got the, the kicks and things. I forget who it was. I think Janae had this video on Facebook of her stomach. She's like, she, and it looks like the alien, you know, is going to burst out of there any minute. That's where my, that's how us guys are. That's like, that's weird. That's creepy. Ooh, ooh, wow, that's wild. <laughs> We're a little detached. We're a little in the not yet stage. You're in the already. No, I've already got a baby here. I can feel them. I can, they're kicking, they're moving, they're causing, ah, they're on my bladder right now. I gotta go to the bathroom. All those things are happening. But you haven't yet got that baby. And the time is coming when the baby will be born. But you're already pregnant. And what you do now matters. How you eat, the nutrition that you take in for yourself affects the baby. What things you do. You're a part of this pregnancy. It's happening now. The baby is legit. It's happening now, even though they're not yet born. And we have to understand that how we embrace these truths about Jesus, how we respond to them, have an effect on what we produce for the kingdom. So how are we listening? What are we doing? What, what is coming from our lives? Are, are we in that parable where we hear, we don't understand, and it's just gone, it's been taken away? Or we hear and we're glad, oh, this sounds great, but there's no root, and we have no desire to go further. It's just something that we use to help us feel good, and then it's gone. Or do the cares of life strangle it out? And so this message of Jesus is, is good for a period of time until things get tough. And then we throw in the towel. I don't, I don't know about this. And we call it quits. And see, Jesus is saying, it's happening right now. And what happens now is going to go on and culminate into the future till the end of the age. Whenever that is. We like to focus on the end of the age. That's where we get our prophecy charts and we put them all up there. Oh, there's the end of the age. Oh, what's going to happen there? Well, what's happening now? Where is the kingdom now? With you, in you. What is your... What are you producing? Remember, we spoke about a couple of weeks ago that Jesus never said, help me build the kingdom. He just invited us to be a part of his kingdom. Are we part of it? Is it something that's in our lives and moving us forward? Or is it in the by and by? Do we see ourselves as participants or are we spectators just waiting to see what it's going to produce someday? 
Verse 31, he gives a couple more parables that gives us that same illustration of already and not yet, and, and maybe even more clearly. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. A woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And so the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like the small seed that grows into something much bigger. It is like the yeast that permeates throughout all the dough. It starts off small. And you see, that was one of the problems. It started off with just 12 guys that weren't really astute. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were zealots. They weren't the cream of the crop. It started off very small. But it has grown. And it has grown. And it is growing still. is already, but it is not yet fulfilled. And you see, one day there is going to be a fulfillment, even as he mentioned in the parable of the weeds and the wheat. One day there is going to be a time when it is going to be a culmination. There is going to be a time when he does bring final judgment. And you hear the word judgment and you think, oh, man, I don't like that judgment word. But really, we all want judgment. We all want justice. We all want resolution. When you have a friend who's been injured, who's been wronged, who's been hurt, who's been murdered, your soul cries for judgment and justice. When you have someone you love and they're going through sickness and cancer and it's devastating. We want there to be resolution. We want there to be a culmination. We want there to be an end to these things. You know what that feels like. It's what we desire and there is going to be a day when that happens. There is a not yet that will come. But until that time, It's already taking place. And we are involved with it in one way or another. We're the seed that fell on the pathway, on the stony ground, the thorns, or good soil. And I used to freak out when I'd hear that parable. It's like, oh no, which one am I? This week I was this one. Last week I was pretty good. God, take last week. And you see... Again, that's where it's a progression. It's something that is happening through your life. Your connection to the kingdom of God, to Jesus the King, isn't something that just happened on Saturday, June 13th, 19th, whatever it was. It is something that is taking place now. It is something that is producing now. It is something that is going to be taking place tomorrow. It is something that is supposed to be ongoing. And so don't think, oh no, it's I'm this and I'm locked into that. No, your your heart and how you react to this message, the kingdom, is going to determine the outcome of your life. 
and my life. And have no doubt, there is going to be a time when there will be judgment. When? We always want to know when. I don't know. Don't ask me. I can't tell you. But I can tell you something is happening right now. In your heart and my heart. Something is happening. The kingdom of God is trying to break in to our lives right now. And you look out the world and you see the goodness of God, the mercy of God showing up. And right next to it are the weeds. Right next to it is the sickness. Right next to it is the the evil, right next to the goodness of God, side by side sometimes is this darkness. And we see this beautiful mess all around us. And we cry out, God, why is it like this? Why, why is there such evil? Why is there such hurt? Why is there the things that bring us such pain? And at the same time, there are the things that give us hope. The things that are beautiful, the, the mercy that you show us that's so good, they're growing up side by side. Where are you? Who are you? Are, are you a part of the kingdom? Are you part of the wheat? Or are you rejecting it and are you one of the weeds? Because that's a serious thought and it's a serious matter. And, and we all care about these things. He goes on and he gives us a couple more illustrations about the kingdom. And remember, this is what the kingdom of God is like. The, these parables are supposed to tell us something. They're supposed to tell us what the kingdom of God is like. They're not supposed to tell us how to get saved. Not supposed to tell us all this end time things. They're telling us what the kingdom is like. Oh, and they include that information, but really what it's about is the kingdom. And I think we've lost sight of that. In verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. When you think about your role and your heart plays in receiving this kingdom and what it's going to start out as, it might start out small, but it can produce something big. These final parables I find very challenging because it talks about these people who found this kingdom, found what's the kingdom? It's Jesus, the, the message, who Jesus is. They come to understand who he is, and it is amazing news. It is such good news that they go and they sell everything they have just so that they can obtain it. And they do it with great joy. We live in a time where Christianity is all about serving people. It's all about, can it make you happy? It's all about, can it get you financially secure? If you follow these steps, you will have wealth and health. But, but this parable paints a different story. It paints a, a story of someone who says, this is of such value, nothing else matters except taking hold of this. 
Everything else means nothing if I don't have this. Have you ever been desperate? Desperate for something where maybe it's for a child, for someone in your family who's sick. You're just desperate and all you want is for them to be better. Last week, I got a phone call. I, I did this lesson. And, and it was an interesting lesson because these two kids were the ones who called me. She was like 12, he was 17. And they had rescued this husky that was living out on the streets for months. And so it was scavenging for its own food. And huskies are very independent dogs. They're kind of like that. They're not your family dog. They're, they're kind of a little standoffish. You know, they're kind of like, I can get my own food. I got my own coat. I'm good. That's just their mentality. And so they rescue this husky. It's a beautiful dog. It's got one of those brown eyes, one of those blue eyes. And they brought it home, but they also had a poodle. Well, the husky has been out searching for food the last however months. Poodle became prey. And so they bring this dog home and they're all, oh, look at me. Here, meet Fifi. Or I forget what the poodle's name is, you know. Fifi seemed appropriate. And so meet the poodle and Husky said, dinner. And so it started going after the poodle thinking I'm, I've got food for a good week here. And so they call me, hey, our dog is trying to kill our other dog. Can you help? And so I go there and I start working with these two kids and getting the husky to see the poodle as friend, not food, you know, and dealing with those things. And, and the dogs are doing fine. And I'm talking to these kids. Um, their parents weren't there, found out that the mom was a doctor. And so they'd moved all around and started having this conversation with the kids. And anyway, the first lesson spent about three, four hours there talking with them, had a great time with the kids, the dogs did great, everything's going good. About four days later, I, I get a phone call, and it's the mom. And I, my thoughts are immediately, oh no, you know, what does she want? The dog killed the poodle, you know, and I, I'm going to be to blame. And she calls me, and she said, hi, you talked with my children? You're the dog trainer? I said, yeah, I'm the dog trainer. How's everything going? She goes, well, things aren't well with my son. I was wondering if you could help me. We've had to move because my son has been involved with some bad things. His friends died from drugs and we moved and he, he, all he does is use drugs and play video games and I'm worried about him. Could you help him? The lady's never met me. She's calling the dog trainer, asking me to help her son. Can you maybe get him to start learning how to train dogs with you, take him with you, so that you can mentor him and help him along? And I was floored. I was floored because this lady is like, lady, First of all, I was floored because I'm thinking, yeah, I'd love to help your son. But then I'm floored like, you don't even know me. I'm the dog trainer. She doesn't know I'm a pastor. 
She thinks I deal with dogs and maybe if I, you can tame wild beasts like this one, you can tame this one. I don't know what was going on in her mind. But what I did know was the desperation. And, and so she wanted me to secretly do this thing and I told her I have a hard time with you know espionage things. I, I don't do that real well, but I'll definitely start a conversation with your son and see, see where it goes. And so I did. The next lesson I had, I got to talk to him and he opened up to me really well. He talked to me about his friends who did die from heroin and Oxycontin overdose and the problems that he's had and has been going through. And we had a great conversation of about an hour and a half he and I, the girl who was there, who was a 12-year-old girl, she's like, do you need me here anymore? Because she kept interrupting about, you know, I like to do this with the dog. I like to do this. I'm like, uh-huh, 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 okay. You know, I'm pretending like I care. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I shouldn't have said that, but it was true. And so he and I ended up having this great conversation, and I'm hoping to hear from him again and have this talk with him. But you see, I understood the desperation of this mom who said, I need help. My son is lost. He's hurting. And I don't know what to do. And imagine finding news that could make someone better. That could bring someone wholeness and health. Imagine having this information, this finding this pearl of great value, finding this hidden treasure, this message that God cares about you. And what do you do with that? Do you say, oh, that's neat. I'll go check it out once a week. And I'll pray before meals and I'll, I'll, yeah, that sounds fun. I'll go if it's going to be fun. Or do you sell everything you have for the joy of this treasure? Because it is worth everything you've got. See, the kingdom of heaven is like that. It's something that is of such value that when you understand it, with joy, you will sell all that you have just to obtain it. You will count that cost. Now, we're not here telling you sell everything you have, but we are here, and I'm trying to, to bring out how important is this information? How important is this message of the kingdom, of who Jesus is to you? Is it worth this? Or maybe you're just on that stony ground. Oh, it's fun. I like it, but uh, it's going to cost me too much. Maybe the cares of this world are going to choke it out. How much is this message worth? Because Jesus says it's worth everything. And blessed are your ears, for they hear. 
Prophets and kings have longed to hear this truth, but didn't. They've longed to see the things that you see, but didn't. Blessed are your eyes. Why? Because the kingdom of God has come upon us, and we have the ability to respond. We can be that man who finds the hidden treasure and with joy gives up everything else for the joy of what this means to our lives, that finds this pearl of incredible value and counts that cost as more important than anything else we have. Are we desperate for this? Does it mean that much to us? Or are we living a Christianity that's just about what can I get instead of what have we found? What does this mean? How does this change everything? Because it's meant to. And in the weeks to come, we're going to look at how this change takes place in the various areas of our lives. Because the kingdom of God, if it is here present among us, if we are responding to it, then it should change who we are, how we live, because we become citizens of this new kingdom. And it shows up in our lives. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to continue to acknowledge this kingdom, but we're going to do it in, in song. Let me have the guys come back up to lead us in a couple of songs. And with what we've talked about here this morning, I want each of us to do a little searching in our own hearts and see where do we fit in this information about the kingdom? Are, are we the seed that's fallen on the rocky places? Are, are we weeds that are growing up alongside of the wheat? Are we allowing this truth of the word of who Jesus is to, to grow in our lives and produce something within us? Have we counted this as joy and given up everything else to embrace this? Or are we sitting on the fence saying, that's nice, I'll take a little of that and a little of this, but I don't want that part of Jesus. I just want these parts that fit my purposes. Or do we see that this is more valuable than anything? This is treasure that's been hidden. This is a pearl of such great value. It is worth all that we have. And maybe this morning, the Spirit of God is, is challenging us to embrace the truth about the kingdom of God. To embrace the truth about the King Jesus and who he is and, and what he means to us. And what I want to do is give us a chance to respond by acknowledging him and maybe surrendering to him, maybe bowing before him and saying, okay, you know what? I am desperate. I need this more than anything else. I need you. For real. I need you in my life. Really. I don't want to play church. I don't want to play Christian. I don't want to act out anything. I need to be legit. And I need the truth of who you are to be a part of my life. And so as we sing these couple of songs, let it be an opportunity uh, to be a prayer, to surrender. What I love about worship and music is it involves all of us. Not all of us, but all of who we are. It, both. 
It involves our minds because we're thinking about what we're singing. It involves our voices because we are singing. It involves our hearts and our emotion. And so let's allow this time to be a response to the kingdom of God here among us. Let's pray and then we're going to start singing. God, I pray that the truth of your words, the kingdom of heaven is like these things, like the seeds sown, like the, the weeds and the wheat, like the leaven in the dough and the mustard seed, like that pearl of great value and that hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like these things. And our hearts are connected to how this kingdom is going to show up in our lives, how we respond to these things. And so may this time be a time of surrender. May it be a time of, of genuine worship. May it be an opportunity of recognition of where you are in our lives, how we see you. Are you of great value? Are you growing within us and developing and moving us further? Are you producing a crop of 30, 60, and 100 fold? And if not, what do we need to do to make that so? God, may we surrender ourselves to you even now as we sing. May we surrender our wills to the kingdom of God, to you, Jesus. Be honored among us, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name.